Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Biology Report. Damien Fleming here as always. Uh, unfortunately, in Victoria, over 700 cases now um, and COVID, the pandemic continues to play havoc here in Victoria. So please stay safe, wear your masks um, and let's get through this together. Uh, co-host, got a new one for today and he's a beauty, scored hundreds for Australian one day cricket, test cricket. He's the captain of the Victorian cricket team. He's an absolute star. Thank you very much, Peter Hanscom. Oh, thanks, Flem. What an introduction, mate. That's, uh, that's got me going up and about. Yeah, I got your email. So thanks for <laughs> helping me out with the intro. I wasn't sure what to say. Um, yeah, what about yeah. the lockdown? What's it been for you? Uh, it's been a lot of work around home and the farm, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of TV, a lot of Netflix. And, um, and when we've been able to get outside, uh, the golf, a bit of golf. So were you were you keen golf for coming into um, this pandemic, or is it just increased throughout? No, I'm a I'm a I'm a very very poor golfer, and uh, no, I never I never got into it uh, when there was cricket on because I was like, why would I stand in the field for six hours a day and then go and play golf and stand on grass for another four hours, probably five hours the way I'm playing? So no, I never got into it. But now that we've got the time. Uh, the, I've definitely got the the golf bug. I'm out there. I've, I've already played. Uh, I played back to back 18s um, the other day and and just hitting them really really poorly. So it's uh, there's no room for improvement. I was exactly the same. You know, when I was I couldn't think of anything worse. And particularly for the fast bowlers, yeah, you know, bowling the 40 overs in a Test or first class cricket and having shoulder problems. Shoulders, but then um, as well, like but, all that twisting. I mean. You're swinging hard. Now, you're a skipper. You're a leader. You wait till you retire. You'll get asked to do some corporate speaking. And I can tell you, if you're playing with the CEO or general manager of a big firm and shooting 130, he doesn't want to hear you talk six hours later because he's been no, he's fetching not, your ball. He's not bringing you back. So <laughs> got, to, got to get that under 100. Under 90 would be lovely. But So uh, what's your handicap? Yeah. What'd you start at? Uh, what are you now? Well, I'm giving myself, I don't have an official handicap, uh, but I'm giving myself a, a shot a hole. I'm, I'm going around 18. Um, so, sort of, and, and scoring, I've had the odd day where I've scored, yeah, 36, maybe a 38 eight pointer, but then there's days where I've walked around and got below 20 points. So, it's, it's very licorice, all sorts kind of golf. It's tough because some of your teammates, we had one of them um, yesterday, Dan Christian, or former teammate, he's off one. He's been having those battles with Glenn Maxwell off one. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, well, the he's, dark he's, he's, Johnny he's, Holland scratch. 
Yeah, yeah, we've got some good golfers in the team uh, and uh, and past players as well. Like it's it seems to lend itself cricket to to golf. Once you retire, you you really really go for it. So, I mean, you, you're you're playing plenty as well, mate. No, I'm I'm getting it in at Riverstar. Lucky to get those two hits in a week. Uh, so you know, just just getting down, you know, at seven at the moment. Uh, that that might that all, I, I might just I might have peaked in the pandemic. Um, hey, talking about golf. Um, now I'm a lot older than you. I'm, I'm 50, but it was the 40th anniversary of the greatest golf movie of all time, Caddyshack. And and for me, growing up, Pete, um, this is how old I am. Um, I had a, a cousin, Tim, who actually Tim Allen, who had played footy for St Kilda and, and the Hawks. We used to stay at each other's joints and school holidays. And my auntie Lorraine got a VHS. So a video recorder, like in 1979-80, you know, we didn't get one for another three years in my family. And the two free movies they got, one was Grease and the second was Caddyshack. So we must have watched yeah. Caddyshack a thousand times, myself and my cousin Tim. And then my era of, of uh, um, mates, you know, we, we just absolutely loved it because, you know, Bill Murray was massive, Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, um, the quotes even on the, you know, lend itself to cricket, you know, with the rain, you know, the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a yep. while, all that Cinderella story. Now, I gave you a little project. You said you'd watched it once. You had to watch it last night. So as a 20-year younger man, uh, what was your review? Oh, it was, yeah, I mean, you, you gave it a massive rap as well. Like, <laughs> got to watch. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Um all that, uh, all that. But, mate, it had its funny moments, but I'm not sure if I was more laughing at the movie or, or with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the way, uh, you know, the cinema has come, uh, some of the effects, some of the, some of the jokes. Uh, I thought the, go- the gopher looked real, uh, real life, you reckon? Oh, the, the dancing gopher every time a bit of music come on and he started just having a little boogie. Oh, mate, it was, it was brilliant. Um, and very funny, but like I said, I, I was I was laughing out loud, but I wasn't sure if it was yeah at it or with it. I, speaking of the gopher, um, his dance reminds me of our special guest today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, There's a little very, bit uh, of our special guest yeah. in the dancing of that gopher. Yeah, there's something um, done on there. Um, so, do you think it's probably not going to um, spread through the next generation of uh, Australian Victorian cricketer Caddyshack? Probably not, and uh, even you know, if I were to ask, I think a few of the young boys at uh, at Crew Victoria, I don't think they'd even have heard of <laughs> have heard of Caddyshack. All right, no Cinderella story there. I'm, I'm still I did my top five. Don't worry about that. Just let it happen. Be the ball. Be the ball, Danny. You're not being the ball, Danny. Well, it's kind of difficult with you talking like okay. that. Okay, I'm not talking. Stop talking. Not talking now. Um, hey, you, you mentioned the Vix, uh, the Victorian cricket team. Um, w- what's happening in lockdown? Uh, what, how the restrictions, um, well, restricted your own sort of training sessions and, um, you know, what have you been up to in the last month or so? Yeah, I mean, given the, given the tough times, we've, been, we've actually been really lucky in the way that we've st- still been allowed to train uh, and, and not much has actually changed in the way that we would do our, our pre-season. So uh, we've had to train, split the, split the squad into, into two, two groups, essentially, like a, pretty much a, an early morning and a mid-morning group. 
uh, just for, for numbers numbers reasons. Uh, and you get in, you get your work done, and you, and you get out. So we're yeah. still able to to run, uh, go to the gym, uh, and we've we've started uh, skills this month as well. So it's it's nice to have a bit of bat v ball, uh, but yeah, not not much has changed. But there's there's not a lot of hanging around or, or talking to the boys or talking about you know what's going on. It's it's very much yeah, get in, get out. Yeah, and that's fair enough too. What about your own game, Pete? Do you um, do you get much feedback from, say, the, the Australian setup or, or your Victoria, even though you don't have a coach at the moment, the Vicks, but, um, or is it more being proactive yourself? I mean, your technique always uh, gets picked apart, but you've always said you're comfortable with it. Um, so do you make an assessment of your technique and, and, and your skill development yourself? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the stuff I've done with, with my technique is or the way I see it with coaches is you get a lot of information from a lot of people uh, and then it's up to the up to the player to decide what's what's good for them and what's not so uh, basically I'm, I'm still you know trying to own my game uh, but I'm going to go about it the way I want to and the way I feel uh, is, is the best for me uh, and, yeah. and at least that way that way, moving forwards, uh, I can commit 100% to every game and every ball that I'm, that I'm playing, knowing that it's, it's something that I believe in and not something that I've just been told to do because it'll look better or because it'll make me better. If, if I don't believe it then, it, then it won't happen. No, definitely. Owning your own games, I, I think, half the battle there. A question I often ask um, the modern day player is how you adjust to the three different forms. You know, the four or five day cricket, your one day cricket um, has been fantastic last couple of years. And then obviously into T20 cricket. You know, can you explain to the, the listeners how you go about adjusting to all the different formats? I think the, the biggest thing about adjusting between the formats is, is well, I believe it's just purely mindset because uh, you've, your technique will generally stand up in each in each format, um, but the shorter it gets, the more expansive you're going to get, and and it's just an extension of of a shot that you've already got. So your forward defence, you know, turns into a you you might try a drive or a cover drive with that same ball if you're going from red to white. You you kind of start to take more calculated risks the the shorter the game the game gets and. Uh, you know, in, in Red Bull, we've, yeah. we've seen some of the, the best in the world. Uh, they own they own their area. Uh, you know, we've seen AB, you know, talk about his box. He he owns his, his little box there and, and makes sure that, uh, you know, he scores if it's outside and, and nails it uh, if it's there. And, and we're seeing guys like Smudge and, and Marnus do exactly the same. Um, but then once, it's get, once it gets shorter, you, you need to be able to score off, off that ball as well. Uh, so you start to move around, you start to change your game a little bit based on your strengths, uh, and that's that's where your mindset comes in. You need to know where you can score and how you can score, and then understanding what what's happening in the game, and uh, and then you believe yourself and you and you back yourself one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's got to be um, such a mental, more a mental challenge, and 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 it gets back to that commitment and that ownership. What about the captaincy? How have you found that? Because I remember Steve Wall was a teammate of mine in the Australian team. Then he became captain, a very good captain. And I said, what was the difference? And he just said, uh, the phone stopped ringing. 
<laughs> no one wanted to be look seen to be sucking up to the captain. Yeah, yeah, a lot of dinners by yourself uh, on tour. <laughs> Well, uh, Uber East just comes into the door. You don't leave your hotel. All the other boys are having, going out, having a nice dinner, and yeah, your phone just stays quiet. Um, but no, no, no. In all, in all seriousness, I'm, I love the captaincy. Um, it's, it has its, it has its moments though as well. Uh, I mean, we, at Victoria, we we, we pride ourselves as as you know, um, being able to to be really strong individually, you know, as a person, and, and you believe in. Uh, in what you're doing, um, and because of stuff, some you know, having that mindset, sometimes you play with some really, really uh, strong egos. And <laughs> uh, you know, every now and then, I'll, I'll, I'll be getting, uh, I'll get a comment here and there during a game that I should be like, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And it's like, yeah, mate, I've, I've thought about it, and we're going in this direction. But um, that's that's what makes that's what makes captaining the the Vicks amazing as well is that we we've got so many uh, so many brains that are willing and able to to tell me you know straight to my face what what uh, you know they would be doing um, and that's how I get better as a captain as well. Must be it is five hundred for Stuart Broad. What a moment! Into the gallery of greats he goes. And Pete, obviously, uh, it was great to watch some test series on on Fox, the England versus the West Indies. And first off, I think we're all uh, reckon the West Indies were, were admirable in the way. Firstly, offering to play a test series over there, winning the first test. I mean, their bowling was was fantastic, um, and I think they got a bowling tack. They probably get wickets just about everywhere. The batting good at times, but that inability to to turn good starts into to hundreds really hurt them. But um, for, for England, um, you know, they, they certainly look like they're, they're, they're still going to be a, a quite a dominant team. Um, you know, what were your thoughts of the series? Yeah, well, um, you've summed it up pretty well there. Um, great to see the West Indies come out uh, and, and play that test series. Given, given everything's going on, um, their their bowling attack, I think, for the for the West Indies can be some special. They've got uh, accuracy, they've got pace, uh, and they've got some big big bowlers that uh, coming coming from a serious height can uh, can really worry some uh, some batsmen. And so it'll be interesting to see how you know guys like that would go at a at a Gabba or um, yeah. or a Whack. There's some serious pace pace and bounce. Um, you know they could. They could prove to be pretty impressive uh, in those conditions, um, but yeah, I think I think that batting has uh, has a lot of potential, but just didn't didn't stand up in those key moments. You're talking about, um, you know, getting those starts, turning them into big big hundreds or or at least a big partnership. I just don't think they ever they ever got going, and that's that's probably credit as well to the yeah. English. English bowling attack, which at the moment is you know, right up, right up there with the best in the world, because uh, they never let up. They, there was always a chance. They never, never gave uh, the West Indies a, a session where they could start controlling the game. Um, and so that's that's some proper bowling. Well, you talk about bowling depth. Stuart Broad didn't play the first test, and yeah. he almost—I think he got man of the series. Got, yeah, he ended up getting player of the series. Uh, Sixteen, what was it? I've got it here. Sixteen wickets in in two tests at uh, at ten point nine. So that's 
if you're not playing him in the first test and you've got that in the bank, um, that's a pretty impressive uh, bowling lineup. I, I still can't believe, Pete, 500 test wickets. You, you know, when Dennis Lilly got to 350, you know, I thought, wow, that, that's going to take years to break. And, you know, it started going up, you know, Hadley and Botham and Kapil Dev. Um, and we've seen three spinners, you know, legends, you know, Warney, Murali, Kumble, you know, taking getting into the 700 test wickets. But for fast bowlers, you know, McGrath, Anderson yep. are now broad. It's an uh, sorry, and Courtney Walsh. It's not just skill, technique. I mean, there's so much resilience to, to play that much amount of cricket and yes. keep performing. Yeah, spot on. So, yeah, it's, you're talking about guys staying on the park to start with where, you know, bowling is such a foreign thing for the, for the human body. So to be able to keep yourself strong and fit and, and keep going back-to-back games uh, is incredible to start with. And then to keep your skill level up over, over so long, uh, to keep taking, uh, taking down oppositions, uh, you know, it's, it's just in, incredible. Um, and I actually I, I felt for Brody a little bit because, <laughs> um, like, Anderson, Anderson got his 500th wicket at Lords, you know, big crowd would go absolutely nuts. <laughs> and here's, here's Brody steaming in, gets his 500th and silence, no crowd, no nothing. Um, like he's got his teammates yeah. there, but geez, you'd want a bit of atmosphere for your, for your 500th, surely. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was there. My first day of cricket, as I keep saying, was when Dennis Lilly broke the record and there's 50,000 people at the MCG chanting Lilly for about 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's the way you want to do it. Um, have you faced uh, much of Anderson and, and Broad? Can you, can you, and if so, can you talk about sort of the difference between the two or their strengths? Um, I got a little bit. I managed to – I've played three, oh, three. I've played two tests against England, so I got three innings uh, to bat. And uh, they're, just, they're just relentless. So they, yeah. know, they know exactly where they're putting the ball – uh, they never they never give you a bad ball. So trying to score off these guys and put pressure back on them um, is is so so tough. Uh, and then they they just work you over. They've got their skills. They've got like we know Jimmy can go both ways uh, with a with a beautiful beautiful seam presentation. And then uh, Brody's got his his big inducker to the right handers, but still yeah. the one that goes that goes straight and takes your outside edge. So there's. There's minimal change in their actions, minimal change in their wrist, and they're they're able to do you know very very skillful things. Um, and so yeah, I mean I was lucky enough to to have a have a crack against them. Um, both of them have got me out, uh, so it's fair to say that they've won the battle so far. Uh, but I'd like to have another crack at them. Yeah, it'd be interesting, won't it? Because there's a battery we haven't mentioned: Archer, Wood, um, you know, Wokes. You know, probably doesn't have as great a record away from England, but in England he's a very good. Very good player. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see. Broad has to come out, you know, because you might lose a bit of pace that bounces there, but whether you'll get another chance at James Anderson, um, I wouldn't write him off, but um, the stocks are looking good for England. Um, but as good as Broadie's 500 um, test wickets were, he didn't light up the, the internet like Raheem Cornwell, did he? <laughs> 140 <laughs> kilos, left arm yeah. orthodox, slogs him with the bat, Great reactions with the catching. And now yeah. there's talk, Darren Lehman, Shane Watson, 
bring him out for the big bash. What do you reckon? Ah, uh, yes. Don't don't tease me, Flem. Don't tease me. If he if you if you're hearing whispers that he's coming out, this is <laughs> this is exciting. This is what Cricket wants. Um, what a man. He's 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 great. I think uh, you know he's close to to having it all. Like you said, he slogs him with the bat, bowls some beautiful little tweakers, and uh, and just just grabs him at first slip. I don't know if you saw the. The catch yeah. off, oh. off chase, off burns, um, one-handed first slip against the spin. Like that's that's a good catch, proper proper first grip stuff. Well, you're a captain. Where are you fielding him once he can't field a slip though in in a T20 uh, game? No, nah, I think you just you just take it on. You go right. We'll have a slip for 20 overs. And just, <laughs> <laughs> just leave him there, and you know, so be it. Beautiful today, as Chris Rogers waits for the ball to come on, as Michael Vaughan said. Well, Pete, our guest today, what an absolute superstar he was for Australia, Western Australia, Victoria, and too many domestic teams for me to mention here. Um, 25 tests, average 43, 76 times he raised the bat in first-class cricket. He's probably the most famous Chris Rogers that I know. It's, of course, Chris Bucky Rogers. Bucky, thanks for joining us on the Bowlology Report. Get on, yes, Lem. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed how you said what a legend I was. So that that just makes me feel even older, mate. Today. So anyway, yep. Those days are long gone. It feels like. Just quickly with the nicknames, right, Bucky? When they started calling you that, did you have any idea what that meant? Mate, that's a tough question. That's a long time ago. I, I think. I think it probably did. I think my brother probably got bucked before me. So, um, yeah, I probably under, understood why after the TV show, yeah. Yep. Uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I'm showing my age. I remember the TV series there. But, um, Pete, you're an ex-teammate of, um, of Bucky. But also one of the reasons we got him on and um, is that he actually presented you your baggy green. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, he sure did. Uh, pretty exciting moment, obviously, for myself. But um, something I noticed when, when Bucky was presenting it as well was how, how nervous he was. And I've, <laughs> I've, never, I've actually never seen Buck uh, shake too much unless he's on the dance floor. And um, <laughs> you know, he, had his, he had his little cart out and uh, his, his hand was, was shaking a little bit. But that, that made it even more special because it kind of showed how, you know, how much it meant for him as well to, to be able to present a, a bag of green. Bucky, was it the yeah, first well, time you'd given one out or not? It is. Um, uh, my one and only, really. Uh, and, and, yeah, I, I've been able to get, um, lucky enough to give Pete his, his bag of green. I still don't think it's the best thing I give him. I gave him the uh, the ability to dance, so um, <laughs> that, that's, I'm probably prouder of that. But, um but yeah, it was it was a great day. I, I remember getting the call and um, and and Darren Lehman asking if uh, if if I could uh, present it to to Pete, and and it was pretty special because when Pete had first come into the Victorian side, um, he kind of gravitated a little bit to myself and and T Hand Chandra Mohan, which was the physio. I used to yeah. I used to like to go out every now and again, so I I, I decided <laughs> to hang out with the physio rather than the other players and take them down. So. Um, so yeah, Pete would kind of tag along every now and again, and we showed him showed him the ropes. But um, and then from there, just that our friendship grew, and um, and yeah, that, that those moments are very special. There was, I mean, it was 
there were three presentations that day. Um, uh, you could probably remember more closely than me, Pete, but um, I was um, I was lucky last actually. I followed uh, Ian Healy, and then it was Simon Caddish, and then and that was myself. Um, and I just like people to know I nailed it. I was by far the best, so yeah, pretty proud of that. Absolutely nailed it, mate. Didn't put a foot wrong. <laughs> hey, Bucky, hey, did you get presented by someone, your baggy green? Was it uh, 399? Who gave it to you? Uh, Justin Langer gave it to me. Um, yeah, that was – I don't know what you feel like, Pete, but um, it's just such a whirlwind, that, that first test. I know I know other people have said it, particularly if you listen to Mike Hussey, it's all, it, I've heard him say he almost can't remember the first test. There's <laughs> just so much to take in, you know, like um, – Flem, I'm, I'm not sure what you'd have been like, but um, there's so much going on, um, you know, kind of not only on the field, but off the field. And, and you know, you're just, you're kind of overwhelmed with all these emotions as well. And, and um, so I, I wouldn't have a clue what JL said. I'd be interested to know if Pete has any recollection of what, what I managed to, to say. I've got uh, I've got no recollection of what, <laughs> what, what you wrote down, but there was, there was only one. I really one. know it, yeah. There was one thing that stuck with me. Like you, you had your piece of paper and you, you were reading some stuff off that. But um, and right. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, shaking like me, a shitting dog was I? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and then you, you gave him a hat and we we had a little hug and you whispered something in my ear, um, which is always I've always remembered. I've never told anyone uh, what it was, but I I found it quite a special moment. I can't remember. I don't know if you can remember what you told me. It would have been something like, oh, actually, I think it did it have something to do with a, uh, uh, your father. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Spot yeah. on. So, no, that was that's that's probably the the one thing I remember from your speech. Everything else, mate, straight over my head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's just so much to take in, and and you're just you're just so excited about the day ahead, and and. And then everything that happens, you know, you kind of you, you're trying to remember the good bits, and then but sometimes you know it goes in one ear and out the other. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a special moment, but funny how you forget it. Yeah, I uh, had the opportunity to present the bag of green to Jai Richardson and Mister Cricket, who he must be hired to give him out. He's given out about 120, I think, Mike Hussey, hasn't he, over the years? So he yeah, gave it to. Yeah. <laughs> He gave it to Curtis Patterson, um, you know, nice little, as you imagine from Mr. Cricket, very organised, and I'm thinking, I've got to get him early here. So just as Mike Hussey finished, I turned to him and said, uh, great speech, David, like that, and Gazza and all that just started pissing themselves. <laughs> but I wanted to keep it short because for Jai, as you said, you could just see his parents are there, everything's going to happen quickly, um, and, and most likely, as you two have just mentioned, you don't, bloody remember it anyway. <laughs> nah. No, I, I think that's one of the other really nice things about it is is particularly now, like you um you, you get the family members to come out and, and stand there and witness it. I yeah. think that that is really special because it didn't it didn't happen with me. Oh. Um I don't know what happened with you, Flem. That's a that's a that's ages ago, mate. So yeah it, it was in the coffin. Remember it. <laughs> I just had to reach it out of the yeah. coffin. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so so just that was nice. I know, um, I know. Uh, yeah, a few of Pete's family were there, and his and his and his girlfriend. Um, 
pretty sure that's right, Pete, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah so, so yeah. So that. So the fact that he he got to share it with them was um was, was really special. But Bucky, it's uh, it's your this is your life here. So from that first Test match, um, you you were going to be a one Test wonder for five years. Can you talk us through yeah. just that that process of um, you mentioned in your book, great read, uh, the South Doubts, um, you know, troubles in WA. Um, you're not going to play again, and, and you get the opportunity five years later. Yeah, it's. Um it's an interesting, it was an interesting journey. There was probably, yeah, there was a bit of bitterness, I guess, and, and disappointment. Um, the one thing I, I think that that happens, and I've spoken to a few other people who are in the kind of the, the one test wonder group is, it just doesn't, it doesn't almost, it feels like you, you, you haven't really earned it. You kind of, you've got it. Um, but when you look at it, it's so brand new. It's like, did I actually even play in that? You know, and, 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 Generally, if you're a one-test wonder, it's because you didn't actually have a great game in that in that, that first test. So, um, I guess I would just, I, you know, I, I I almost put it away. I just, it's not what yeah. I wasn't proud of it. It's just that, um, you know, you get one, you get. It's a bit like you 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 do all this hard work, you know, like it's like scaling a mountain. You get you do all this hard work, and then um, you get dropped, and someone kind of pushes you off, and you've got to start all over again and do all that hard work to get to back, back to the top of the mountain. And yeah. you just almost, when you're at the base of it, after you've been dropped, you look up and you think, no, nah, it's too hard, can't do it again. All the, all the sacrifices I've already made, um, it's going to be hard to go through that again. So um, that's probably why it took me quite a while to recover. And, and if I look at other people who have been in similar boats, like Bob Quiney, um, I know he played a couple, and but... Callum Ferguson and Joe Many recently and stuff like that. That's why I reckon afterwards they had a bit of a period where, and I think it almost takes a year where it's just like yeah. you kind of come into terms with it. So um, I don't know how it's been for you, Pete, like when you've had your disappointments and how you've been able to rebound. But, yeah, I know playing one test, it just felt like, well, did it really even happen? And, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to get another chance again. Yeah, I'm, I can't imagine... Yeah, just the the one test. You go from that extreme high to an extreme low in the, in the space of a couple of days, um, and and imagining what that does for your cricket psyche, and then and then going out there and trying to have the the confidence to still dominate domestic cricket like you had for you know six, five, six years, seven years leading into it, and then um, you know to try and bounce back from that, like you said, climb that mountain again. Um, yeah, that's. That's hard. It's hard hard enough when you get dropped after a couple of games, but you get dropped after one when you yeah, you feel like you haven't had the opportunity to show how good you are at that level. Um, yeah, it can't be easy. It, yeah, it's interesting because the, the one thing I get asked about this a little bit, you know, what it was it like after, um, or at least I used to be when when I was a legend slam. <laughs> but, um, um, but you get asked this and, and it's a bit like, how, how did you keep going? And look, I'll be the first one to admit, I was playing professional cricket for a living. You know, at the time I was, when I moved, I was playing six months in Melbourne and six months in London, you know, and, and earning pretty good money. It's not like I was struggling in terms of my lifestyle. So, um, so it was no hardship there. It was, it was probably just kind of um, resorting back to my competitive spirit, you know, that, that fight, that, that 
that dri- drives me all the time. So uh, it, that wasn't, I guess that wasn't too hard. It was probably just looking at people get those opportunities um, when I felt like I sh- could have got got more of an opportunity. But you know, that's 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 timing and and you know. Um, people's uh, opinions as well. So you, you just have to try and deal with it. And the one thing I love is that the, the continual persistence, Bucky, because, you know, a week after your test debut, you get dropped from the Western Australian one-day team, so you're not even playing domestic cricket. Um, then, you know, Simon Phil Jakes gets picked, Simon Kadich, you know, there, there's continual knocks in your head, but you, you continue to average 50 what about the domestic change? You know, what, what did you notice? Did you notice much about the different cultures between Western Australian cricket and, and Victorian cricket? Oh, yeah. I, I, the difference between Perth grade cricket and Melbourne grade cricket is chalk and cheese. So in Perth, you play, the conditions are, are really good. They're, they're fast, bouncy pitches all the time. And, but it gets really hot, you know, and sometimes you kind of, kind of go through the motions and and it's played there's a little bit of sledging but it's it's pretty friendly all in all and then you go to vix the, the condition conditions in melbourne cricket uh, aren't as good it's scrappy all the players who play premier cricket all want to want to be afl players so they and they sledge like nothing else i'll, I'll never forget <laughs> playing my first game against fitzroy and there was this Little punk at point, I think in his debut at 17, um, kind of sledging me, tell, saying, this bloke's got no idea, or this this kind of thing. I was just <laughs> laughing. I was going, what the hell is this, you know? So, um, and, and it was a bit it was a bit like that, you know? Like, I, I, I kind of, I, I just kind of say, all the all the, the cricketers in, in Melbourne are just want to be AFL players. So they, they, they play it like, like like that, really. And, and that's the best way to describe it. So, um, yeah, and then there's there's lots to like about both systems, but um, in terms of the Vic change room and the and the the WH change room, it was a lot different. There were some some really incredible players in the in the Vic um, change room, like um, Brad Hodge, David Hussey, um, uh, Shane Harwood, Dirk Nannis, um, Damian Wright, Andrew McDonald, Cam White. You know, all, all these these kind of people. So. I was surrounded by a lot of really senior, um, consistent players. So, and who drove a lot of the culture. So I could just kind of sit back and, and absorb really. And it was, yeah, it was it was a really great time to be around because we practically won everything. And Pete, you played in um, at least one Shield final with with Bucky, didn't you? Yeah, sure did. Um... Down in down in Hobart as our it was a home it was a home final wasn't home it game. yep yeah yep we uh, <laughs> we kicked off the MCG thanks to the AFL um just a just a stock standard thing of, of playing at the MCG um but yeah down in down in Hobart we uh, because we were the home team we had to sort out our own accommodation as well Buck I don't know if you remember this um but yeah we yeah we were staying. We stayed up on the hill, you remember? And there was, there was yeah. a spider the size of my hand in the, in the toilet. I was always scared to go in there. Yeah, like it was, yeah, it was yeah. horrible. <laughs> we had, uh, it was a motel. We had four blokes yeah. uh, sleeping in one room on, on bunk yeah. beds like that. 
That uh, was right. I was meant to be in that room. I was meant to be in there with three other guys, and I was, what, 30, I don't know, 33, <laughs> whatever. I just walked in and went, no, this is not, this is not happening. And then I think um, James Pattinson was quite happy to swap with me. As, uh, yeah, James Pattinson was quite happy to swap with me. I was like, good, because I can't, I can't <laughs> with other people. That, that, that happened back in school days, you know, what, what's, what's all that about? So, yeah, and then I remember that. That was hilarious, to make, wasn't it? To make matters worse, we then had to um, pack up halfway Ooh. through the, the Shield final. Yeah. Um, pack all our stuff up in the morning, chuck it in the van, and then go to a different hotel. Um, oh my god! Or something. Yeah. Um, so was there some sort of did you get? festival down there? Was it booked out or whatever? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Cricket Australia pay for the or organise the away teams accommodation, but they don't organise the home team because you assume it's going to be in your own state. Um, yeah. So, so we had to do it and. Uh, I don't think we knew it was going to be a home game until until real late. So then, obviously, we booked the accommodation late. Uh, we had our our coaches. I think were staying in an Airbnb down the road. It was just uh, yeah. There was a festival on as well, Clem. There was there was some kind of uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something Not a Chris going on. Rogers, so hotel. Chris Rogers lookalike festival. Well, I was I was just going to ask Pete how many how many runs you get in that game. <laughs> it's funny that you ask that because you only ever ask that question if you've made runs. <laughs> <laughs> I only played in two shield finals, so I got hundreds in both of them, Pete. Oh, so yeah, yeah I was, I'm pretty pretty confident with that. But got a bit of go. a, got a bit of a life um, at the end of day one, was it? Yeah, last ball of of um, day one, I was absolutely uh, no, I nicked one, I nicked one behind off. Uh, I don't know who it was. Oh, it was off Colton Nile, yeah. Colton Nile smacked one behind. And um, the umpire, I remember, he uh, let me remember who it was, but he'd give me a couple of stinkers along the way. <laughs> and, and then that, that was the evener. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, um, I didn't walk, but, I was, yeah, I was, out. It would have, I was about 70-odd, I think. So, yeah, I can't really not- remember that. Uh, but uh, Bucky, no doubt the highlight, the highlight of your domestic cricket in Australia, and you've left a fine legacy, was captaining Sydney Thunder in the BBL. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that was hilarious, really. Was that the year they paid all the, the money for Chris Gale and and that they had no no one else? How'd that come about? Pretty much, pretty much. I was. Um... I, it was the second year of the BBL. I'd missed out the first year. No one, no one wanted to fire me in the BBL. I don't know why. Big hitter. But, um, boom, boom, Rogers. Hey, yeah, boom, boom. And, um, and uh, in, so the second year, for whatever reason, um, Sydney Thunder came in. I was the second last pick. So I was, I was pretty much on the minimum cash. I think, I think the minimum was, yeah, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't much. And... Um, <laughs> But I thought, you know what, it'll be good. I'll go for a holiday in Sydney. I probably won't play. You know, I'll just make up the numbers. No big deal. And then we got there and none of the imports had, had arrived and we did this kind of get-to-know-you um, team building exercise. And, and I sat down and I realised, I think I'd played more first-class cricket than everybody else combined. And, um, yeah, if you added up all their games, I reckon I'd have played more, more first-class cricket than and then I got this horrible feeling. I was like, oh, my God, there's absolutely no captain here. And um, 
because Michael Clark was meant to come back and captain the first one, first game. Then he was going to be available, and I don't know what was going to happen after that. But um, we went and played a, a, a practice match, and and they said, "Would I captain it?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, sure, no, no big deal." And then I actually got thirty somehow. I must have top edged a few over the keeper, but um, and I and then got thirty, and then and all of a sudden I just started to realise, "Oh my God, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to get made captain here." And then I'm not the kind of person to say no, so they they asked me and. Um, yeah, and it was um, it was a horrible time because uh, <laughs> yeah, it was um, we, we were staying out of Parramatta, which is okay, um, but there wasn't you know there wasn't a lot to do. We didn't even have a car at the beginning, um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So um, but then to be fair, that Sydney Thunder that they they went and and um, and got us one, um, and then yeah, it was just we, we were losing every game and. Yeah. It was embarrassing. It wasn't that we were just we were losing it. But we were, by the ten over mark in the first innings, we we were basically lost. That kind of thing. And I remember so many times I was bowling Dirk Nannis because he was our best player. He was bowling Dirk Nannis four overs up straight with three slips because we were trying to like <laughs> we were trying to take wickets just to stay in the, in the contest. And to be fair to Dirk, he bowled the, bowled the house down. But the rest of us were rubbish, including myself. And the pitch was pitch was um. Oh great great then either and and didn't really suit um you know big hitting chris rogers or or chris gale so um yeah it didn't 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 help um didn't help our you know our import either so we, we the other thing about i'll never forget we um we had azama mood and we but we had a number of all-rounders and the first game like it captaining t20 so hard pete initially yep. everything happened so quickly and um, and I had no real experience in it. And then, so captain, and I remember after 20 overs, we walked off and as a Mahmood, I think it was as a, um, who was our, like one of our imports, kind of came up and, and just said, good work, Buck, good work. And I just turned around to him and went, oh my God, I forgot to buy you your last two overs. <laughs> I just <laughs> forgot to buy it. <laughs> and as you say, and I know I, I heard the commentators and panned me for it. I, I, honestly, I just forgot. You know, like you just you kind of like you, everything's happening so quick. So, um, yeah, that, that then um, I remember at the back end we were about none for six, and I was thinking, should I should I just pretend to be injured because I'm really not enjoying this? And I've never done that in my career. I've never pretended to be injured in my career. I was kind of, it was just starting to enter my, my thoughts. And then we, I think we had a, a fielding session. I caught, caught one on the end of the thumb. I broke my thumb. And that was it. I finished. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, right. You and we lost those two as well. So we're numb from eight. So I really enjoyed watching the Renegades this year when they, I think they went none from eight or none from nine to either equal the record and break the record. I was, I was, I was ecstatic. <laughs> Lucky, I look forward to the Michael Jordan-like doco of that season there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Geez, we're impressive. Oh, my God. Um, but it yeah, got better, was... Bucky. It got better. Let, let's get into more positive. Um, 2013 <laughs> Ashes. Um, in that five years, was there any feedback from selectors? You kept averaging 50. And, and um, how close to the Ashes um, did you find out that, that you were going to play? And get picked. Um, 
for four years, it was absolutely donuts. Didn't hear a thing. And, and I always found it interesting because I was playing, I was playing um, county cricket and Australian cricket. So in terms of domestic experience, I probably had anyone, you know, more than just about anyone playing in, in Australia. But no one had ever asked me anything until, to be fair to him, John Inverarity called me when I was in England the year before and just said, hey, mate, could I, you know, like, would, would you like to catch up for a coffee? And so I went and had a, had a coffee for him. And he just started asking questions. And it was really good. I, you know, like I, I was yeah. like, oh, that's good of good of Invers, you know, he was the chairman of selectors at the time and good to get his thoughts. And then I didn't give him much thought. It wasn't until the back end of um, uh, the season, and I think, you know, that the team went to, Aussie team went to India and homework gate happened. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, like you kind of cultivate a few friendships in the media or whatever. And, and, and um, someone kind of said to me, oh, you, you, you know, like, had, had written an article and, and my name had kind of, for the first real time, said, you know, he, he could play, he should play in the, the Ashes. And all of a sudden, it's really weird. It's like a couple of the other journos kind of jumped on the back and then then all of a sudden there's this momentum for you. So it's almost like so sometimes you feel like you need the, the media to start this kind yeah. of snowball, you know. Um, and, um, and then it was when... Um, Greg Shippard, who was my coach at Victoria, I was the last time I've seen him before going back to play for Middlesex. And he said, mate, have you got your, your baggy green? And I was just like, oh, no, nah, I think it's at my parents' place somewhere. And um, he said, oh, well, I'd, I'd take it if I was you. And I didn't because I didn't want to jinx it. But um, wow. I was over and I was, yeah, I was, I was doing a fitness session at Finchley Gym, I remember. And, and I got the call and it was, it was Inver's saying, Mate, just to let you know you're in, and and could you please not tell anyone because we haven't, we're not going to release it to the media. And I, and I just walked straight back out. Someone had seen who the phone call was from, and I just had this big smile on my face. And, and I was, <laughs> oh, you've been picked, haven't you? And I was just like, oh, mate, I'm not supposed to say anything, you know. But um, it was really good. It was, it was almost like a day of elation, and then reality set in, and then I just got shit scared. Really, I was, I was, <laughs> oh god. What's you know, like I was about to play in one of the biggest series, foreign soil. Um, what happens if I stick? You know, like that there were the thoughts that started to creep in a lot and that, that was a really interesting time. How did you you, you were saying uh, you didn't take your baggy green over, so how did you did you freak that over or did you just fly your parents over, make sure it was on them at all time? Um, you know, sort of <laughs> handcuffed to a briefcase uh setup. <laughs> Um, well, parents were doing the grey nomads, so they they kind of had rented their house out and were driving around Australia. And um, about six months in, and then then they kind of cut it short. Interestingly enough, they they got they, had, they were near Melbourne, and that was when um, they got told to go look at the old the human hobble cricket ground that you guys no doubt have been to. And yep. And they found out it was for sale, and and they ended up buying a cricket ground. So I don't know if people know what oh. parents own a yeah. cricket ground called the, and it's now called the, the Village Green um, Cricket Ground. So, but that that's another story. But then um, they had it, so um, they kind of they kind of maybe had got like a bit of a feeling that maybe they should keep it. So it, it was with them, and then they just finished. Um, 
And then uh, they they flew over. They flew over to, to, to bring it over. You know, they weren't going to miss it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's things like that, you know, like the one of the best moments I had in sport, in, in cricket, was um, scoring my first 100 for for um, for Australia. It was the fourth test. Um, I'd been on 96 for about... 40 minutes. I just couldn't get off France. One wouldn't be a bad ball. And in the end, I hit a panic sweep, and I and I got it. And it's one of those great moments. And I was meant to have dinner with um, a mate from England who I who picked me up from the airport the first time I ever went to, to England. And but in the end, I said to him, "No, nah, I'm 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 um, I'm actually going to have um, you know like my dinner with my parents and and just." Sitting there and having dinner with your, your parents, you know, the people who'd been on the journey with you, that the, the kind of the whole way after you got a hundred was, and still is probably, you know, one of the, the, the best things I've, I've ever experienced, you know, like just, just being able to show you gratitude. That, that was, um, that was a really special moment. And on that Ashes series, you had a, um, you know, you'd established yourself, um, you know, a pretty strong fifth test showing. Was was there any signs, uh, that, you know, the belief, even though you'd lost the series, had grown so much that you'd, you'd whitewash England at home that next summer? Yeah. I sometimes think with, because like, we, were, we were on a bit of a losing streak, but to end a losing streak, I, I've kind of come to the and a bit of an understanding that you've got to, You've got to actually try and um, not lose by so much to begin with, and then gradually just get closer and closer to the opposition before you earn the right to then start getting your nose in front. It's not like you go from losing to winning in in, in one go kind of thing. So we, we kind of towards we got hammered in the first two tests. I got a, I got a funny story about Jeff Thompson in after the <laughs> second test after we were woeful, um, and. But towards the back end, we started to feel like actually we're kind of holding our own with these with with England. Like they're just kind of getting over the line a little bit. But we had moments where we felt, and then and then we got to Australia, and Mitchell Johnson came along, um, and you know the, the rest is history. You know he bowled the best six months of bowling I've ever seen in my life. So um, and that was probably the, the the icing on the cake we needed. But we were. We were heading in the right direction. We were kind of earning the rights. Um, and then we won one game and that was it. Once we won one game, we, we just got this huge belief because um, I think they'd, they'd had, well, I don't know, they'd gone eight tests or something without losing, without eight or nine tests without winning one kind of thing. So it's yeah. a ridiculously long time for Australian cricket. And so all of a sudden won one and then there's just the hunger kicked in and we won the next, you know, we won five in a row and then beat South Africa in South Africa. So it was just we'd kind of, we'd grown as a team and um, added a couple of the right bits. And Darren Lehman, to be fair to him, gave some real clarity around how we should play. Um, and I think that that was, you know, the best thing he did by far. He just was, he was so strong on his belief on how we should go about our cricket. Um, and it just gave all the players this just, okay, that's what we do. We'll go for it, you know. And I would sit in the back of these meetings and actually um, switch off a little bit because he was telling everyone to go out and be brave and take them on and, you know, and, and bowl, bowl fast and short at the tail and things like, you know, at times we intimidate. 
Whereas that's not going to work for me, is it? You know, I, I had to, I, <laughs> I can still, yeah, still, you know, play the defensive low risk cricket. So, but I could see what he was trying to do, um, and it was it was excellent. Yeah. So, but that story about um, Jeff Thompson after the second test in in Lords because we lost the first test was Ashton Agar where he got nine yeah. eight. Oh. We nearly we nearly stole it with um, I think it was. Um, Hadden at the end, James Pattinson got a few, and Agar was there at the end and stuff. And we, we were kind of, you know, we were, we got, I think we got about 15 runs out or whatever. And then um, we went to Lords and the wheels came off. It was horrible. Um, I'd, I'd played at Lords, I'd never seen a turn, and all of a sudden there were these <laughs> holes in the wicket for Graham Swan. And um, yeah, and um, so. It, it, then after that, I, my mates had a. Um, I played with it at Northamptonshire. Had a benefit dinner where every, you know, if you play ten years, you get a benefit, um, and you get to make money out of it in county cricket. And and he had a dinner at at the Oval. So I went there and as a as a as a kind of a guest, and um, there's about 250 people there. And and on this panel was Alastair Cook, Alex Stewart, and Jeff Thompson. Uh-oh. And and uh, yeah, and I can't remember who was MC, but they were asking questions, and it was like, uh, I say, I say, Cookie. So like, you know, it's two 0 to England after two tests. What do you think the, the final test, the score is going to be? You know, and and Cookie went, oh look, I can't answer that, and that, that kind of thing. And then got Alex Stewart, and Alex Stewart said, oh, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm tipping, I'm tipping England to win five 0 They got the upper hand, you know, here or uh, Australia not looking strong. And then he got the Jeff Thompson and Tomo just, and he knew I was there because I'd been introduced. He went, oh, I don't know, but we are shit at the moment. And he goes, our, our top three, I don't know if I'm not supposed to swear on you, but sorry. He goes, our top three are junk. He was like, this is the worst top three I've ever seen play for Australia. And, and I remember I'm having a non-alcoholic drink and every I can feel 250 um, pairs of eyes just staring straight at me. And I'm kind of just looking at the plate in front of me. Oh my god, it was a it was a horrible moment. And I went up to someone after because my dad played against me. And I just went, ah. Oh. Um, uh, sorry, he walked past to say goodbye to a couple of the, the people who I knew. And he, and he kind of he shook the hand. He said he said, thanks, David was his name. Thanks, Steve. Steve was um, the guy whose benefit dinner was. And he turned to me and he went, thanks. And then he kind of shook my hand and he walked off. And I was like, this boat doesn't even know who I am. And he turned around, <laughs> he stopped. He turned around, he came back, he says, oh, now I remember your ugly face from your father. And he says, he went, good luck. And he walked off. <laughs> just like, what the hell happened there? He just abused me twice. So I just, yeah, I was like, thanks, Tomo. Appreciate that, mate. He wasn't my favourite bloke for a while, but I've, I've forgiven you. <laughs> yeah, I, I reread your book yesterday. He didn't do the forward, did he? No, no, he he, he missed out on that. But um, nah, ah, well, Tomo, Tomo is he, he's he's an entertainer. That's awesome, mate. We're almost out of time here. Um, one of the great oh, things is you you actually um had the opportunity to call your own time on your career, but you're coaching now. Um, what are your aspirations, and uh, yeah, what's happening? Hopefully, when we get out of this terrible uh, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it's um, 
it's horrible time at the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah, look, I look, I think as any aspiring coach wants to, you know, you want to you want to see how far you can go and what what you can achieve and and um, be involved in some good groups. So yeah, I guess the, the the difficult thing is is um, is trying to get experience. You know, like that. I think that the, the better sides always want experienced coaches. So just trying to kind of get your foot in the door and and, and those kind of things. So, um, but yeah, really just be around good players. You know that that's that's I think that that I'd like to to do. And and hopefully there's some opportunities in the future. But um, I've been coaching for a couple of years now. It's been it's been really enjoyable. You know, getting getting better and better and and enjoying the process but yeah I think the other thing you just spoke about there was finishing on your own terms I was I was pretty lucky you know I think um if so people always said to me said I'm oh, sorry I always ask people Flem, I don't know what your take is on this but you'd ask people and say mate when do you know when to retire yeah have you ever like if I asked you Flem, I said when do you know when to retire what would you what would your answer be you get retired <laughs> no, you're well, one that's point oh one percent. You are. You're yeah, one yeah. percent. Well, my, but my point was, I, I think the people who I'd asked, they always said, "Oh, Buck, you just know when you know," and it just felt like the biggest rubbish answer. You know when you know. What does that mean? Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and then I remember in the third test at um, at Edgebaston. And I'd been hit in the head in the in the second test. Had a bit of like a bit of a concussion kind of thing, and um, and then Steve Finn was bowling thunderbolts, and he bowled me a bouncer, and I didn't move, and it was just luck it didn't hit me in the head, and that was the moment. That was actually the moment I just went, it's time. Like I can't I can't keep doing this. Like I can't, you know, like I'm I'm just not moving, and I'm getting a bit scared of you know what's going to happen and. And, and I'm happy. I was happy. 150, the home of cricket. Well done, Chris Rogers. Hey, Pete. Um, great to chat with, with Bucky. Really good character. Um, some great stories. But what a, for me, just looking back at his career, the amount of knockbacks and the resilience that, that he had to continually call on um, you know, and people getting picked ahead of him. And he looks back at his test record, which is unbelievable, winning Ashes series. The one thing I we didn't have time to get into was um, we talked about the change of state, but we didn't talk about he played county for, for four different teams, scored a double hundred at least for all of them. Um, oh. You've had experience over there in county cricket. I mean, um, why? what's the best way to go about it and, and, and how much has it improved you? And, um, and and obviously, you would have been over there this English summer if uh, the lockdown didn't uh, apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm coming up to my uh, fourth county as well. So just, just making the rounds <laughs> over here in, in England, following in Bucky's footsteps. But, uh, yeah, I, I would have been there this year uh, at Middlesex uh, where, where Bucky played as well and, and would have had the honour to, to captain them at yeah. Lords, similar to what, to what Bucky did as well. So that was, um, you know, that was going to be pretty, something pretty special for me this year. And, you know, unfortunately with everything going on, that's, you know, there's, there's bigger things out there and that's, that's, uh, that's the way it is. But, you know, looking forward to, to being able to do that, you know, in the, in the coming years as well with, with Middlesex. Um, 
but in terms of in terms of county cricket and, and how it uh, really improves your game, it's it's just another condition. Uh, so in Australia, we grow up um, pretty pretty true wickets, you know. To be fair, around around the country, and, yeah. and you know, you get a seam, and you have to learn how to play a reverse swinging ball because it's you know hard and dry wickets. So that there's a challenge there. Um, in India, you go over, you, you you look for your your spin, and you improve that that kind of play. So again, England is another challenge in itself with a with a ball that swings consistently for eighty overs, <laughs> uh, and and a wicket that is is generally green and, and soft enough that you, you're getting a bit of sideways seam movement as well. So again, it's another challenge, and and it's about finding you know what works for your technique and making sure you play you know as the batter playing the ball really really late and and owning that. Um, that box or, or that area that we we had spoken about earlier, so it's uh, it, it's a great challenge and it definitely it definitely improves you um, you know going forward in in, in any sort of uh, future conditions. Yeah, not just Bucky was it? I mean, years ago, Alan Border went over, Mark War, and then old, older than that, you know, you had the Hussey and Hayden, and all come back a lot better players. So there's a big yep. benefit and then for yourself with the captaincy i mean justin langer did that as well you know, before bucky but guess what time it is here now bradley hodge is taking a little bit of a break here but he has this little segment and uh all the famous people in the world they don't tweet they don't go on instagram because they're scared that they'll get named and shamed in the social media self-promoter award pete you've got the job this week what have you got for us yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I'm excited and nervous because I'm worried about, um, you know, backlash. potential feedback. Yeah, there's going to be, there might be a bit of backlash, but you know what, we, we take it and, uh, yes. and you've got to go for it. So you've got you to still call them out, Flem. And no doubt we'll get nominated at some stage too. Oh, Don't yeah, I was, having a, I was having a look at my Instagram feed before this with a, with a bit of a concerned eye that uh, it might come back to bite me in the ass, but... <laughs> Mate, here, uh, here goes. And my first, first um, nomination, I, I, I thought I'd take a pretty easy option um, and, and go with uh, Marcus Stoinis. Yeah, one of our favourites. Good, good friend of mine. Um, and sort of just looked back at what he was doing over isolation and, uh, and just wanted to, to talk about his games that he was playing, um, you know, over social media with, uh, with Dan Ricardo and James. Yeah. Uh, and and mate, we know what we know what you're doing there. You're, you're showing to the world that you're friends with, uh, you know, an F1 driver, arguably one of the best drivers in the world, and an X Games and Olympic snowboarder. Like, you're not you're not fooling anyone here, mate. You, you could easily just do that off to the side and, and have some fun with your mates. But I uh, just wanted to show the world, yeah, that he's got some pretty big friends. Now on that, that's folks. I mean, that that's all about lifting his social media presence. Hundred percent, trying to steal some of uh, Ricardo's fan base there, but don't stop Stein. Who next? No, we love it. Uh, <laughs> next, next, I've uh, I've actually, well, I've gone with the um, the original uh, person that, that that well, the one that made the self promoter award in in Brad Hodge himself. Yeah, uh, so I listened back to a couple of biology reports and a couple of um, self-promoter awards. Yes. And he slammed, slammed Manus um, for putting up some gym 
some gym posts. Yeah. Uh, a couple of back gym posts. Now, those gym posts were in April. Um, and in May, Dodgeball has then put up uh, a post of himself in a homemade gym uh, with the caption, in full training for Supercars Championship Celebrity E-Series Racing. Should be right on the bumper of Barry Ryan with full sight of Peter Siddle in my rearview mirror. So not only has he done what he said Marnus has done, he's then name-dropped a couple of celebrities to show... How many? I, I lost count. Well, there's... And there's sponsors. Another, and sponsors. Um, and even even showed that it was a, a celebrity racing event. Yeah. So he was, he was kind of, you know, the humble brag saying that he is a celebrity. We know what he's uh, doing. Yeah, we see through that dodgeball. <laughs> Who's next? Uh, well, probably, well, this is my favourite. Absolute <laughs> favourite for the, for the week. Um, so I've got to, it was a, Yuvraj Singh, and we've, we've spoken about, um, we've spoken about Brody getting his 500 wickets. So Yuvraj puts out on Twitter, I'm sure every time I write something about Stuart Broad, people relate him getting hit for six sixes. Right. Today, I request all my fans to applaud what he has achieved. 500 test wickets is no joke. It takes hard work, dedication, t- determination. Broad, you're a legend. Hats off. So great tweet, you know, yeah. very nice of him. But just that little brag at the front just to say, yeah, you might have got 500 test wickets, but I, I hit you for six sixes in and over and, and don't you forget it. It's self-promotion. Self-promotion at its best. And planting himself into someone else's milestone. Very good, Pete. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, pretty cheeky. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple of others. Well, Good research, this. Well done. <laughs> um, went, back, went back a couple of posts, but uh, again, a... a a biology report favourites, uh, Shane Warne. Yes. Um, the king. Like, the king. The king. He is, and he's the king for a reason. Um, and he puts up a, an Instagram post, uh, fun times and fun battles with these legends. Uh, hope you enjoyed them too. And he Are they speaks, just a couple of pe- like punters from the Well, audience, I or? mean, not, not quite. Uh, he's gone in with, uh, with Brian Lara and, and Sachin Tendulkar now. <laughs> Uh, he's, yeah. I mean, that's just similar to uh, similar to Yuvraj. There, he's he's putting himself in in other people's, um, you know, milestones or, or stature. Uh, you know, he referred to them as legends, probably you know, thinking that he's also uh, a legend as well, just for being with them and and you know their battles and whatnot. So it's a, it's not a massive one from the king. It's just just it's, it's just there. A, it's probably more subtle from him, which was which I thought yeah. was a, a nice touch. <laughs> One more, last one. One more, uh, yeah, one more. Again, a, a similar one to or a, a fan favourite, um, Michael Clark. Yes. Uh, just um, this was more of an interesting one. I wasn't quite. I think he was more um, promoting his modelling and, and maybe uh, you know how yes. how good he can look, but. Uh, the caption read on Instagram, uh, it's Friday and I'm thirsty. And then he tagged in face of man, Sydney, which 
has nothing to do with drinking um, any form of liquid. Is actually a, uh, a, a moisturizer or something. Yeah, yeah okay. do with the face. So um, not sure where the tag and and, and that came in um, together, but uh, it, it seemed like it, it was an excuse to put up a, a pretty good photo of himself. He he was looking pretty sharp. It, it is, and he's broadening himself because there's normally a lot of gym shots with with pup. Um, yeah, and then when you went the good. alcohol, I, I thought it was going to be an alcohol sponsor, but he's gone with uh, with a bit of a makeover one. So um, good to see him back. He's consistent. He's yeah, he's not yeah, he's, he's not the shark, Greg Norman. Um, and please watch out for Normo. But if I had to give boats, I'm going to go five to Stoin. Yep. Just yep. Keep it coming. It's consistent. Yeah, exactly. Dan's his mate. Yep. Hodge four. But watch out for Hodgie. I, I just feel like in isolation that there could be some gold from him. Three from Uvraj. Um, You actually could have wiped out that first sentence and just said, well done, Brody, 500 test wickets, you're a legend. Yep, yep. self-promotion. Um, and just one vote to, to Warney and Pup. You know, that that's not extreme for them because they're very prolific. Yep. And we love it because of it. But that's that's a good job first up. But that is the Social Media Self-Promoter Award. Pete, we have a little segment on the Biology Report called the Retro Book Review. I go back and have a look at some cricket books, uh, reread them, and just do a little bit of a review. And this week, it's uh, my first Victorian coach, a legend of Australian cricket and Victorian cricket. It's Ian... Redpath, and what about the title of the book, Always Ready? Oh, yeah, that's good. Just a pun on the name. Also one of the most reliable Australian batsmen of all time, anywhere from one to six. Um, Tao is a big fan of Redders. Um, the Chapels, Rod Marsh, Dennis Silly, you know, they say he would have died for the baggy green. He was a great man. Um and what he goes through, um, little trivia bits for Redders, he actually was an amateur when he first started his test career because he was still um, running around for the Geelong amateurs footy on the wing. There you go. So he, had I don't know if he had good skills and I don't know, like he was about 60 kilos, six <laughs> foot and 60 kilos Redders. Yeah. But, you know, imagine in this day and age, someone giving away their um, match payments and contract because they wanted to keep amateur status to, to play um, football in the amateurs there. Um, also, he got man-catted by Charlie uh-huh. Griffith. Yeah, backing up too far. He actually admitted it was his um, own fault. Uh, he talks about getting a boat to England. That's how old Big Red is. Tours to South Africa, India's riots. He also deliberately chucked a ball, got called for chucking. I think the last yeah. uh, ball he bowled in, in England back in 1964. But very topical in this great autobiography, Bill Laurie had a documentary done him on Monday night. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I will, recorded it. Um, what a legend. But one of the great things, you know, great commentator, Bill Laurie. People forget what a great player he was. But um, his last game was captain and then he got sacked. 1970, mm. 71, and to read out a Redder's book, at this point, Bill Laurie had made 324 runs at an average of 40. So he was actually topping the average for Australia. Um, 
Obviously, this had a devastating effect for everyone. He was not only dropped as Australian captain, he was completely omitted from the side in an unprecedented move, short-sighted in its action. Good on your Redders. Ill-conceived yeah. tactically, smashing in them again, um, and a disgrace in its application. Now, Redders, yeah. woof, has absolutely smoshed him. His great mate Keith Stackpole and Redders were in a motel room when the news was conveyed to us by telephone. And quite frankly, we couldn't believe it. Bill arrived and uh, once they talked, he said he'd heard it on the car radio. But Redders says, actually, it wasn't until a year later that Bill told him he was completely in the dark and had no knowledge of being dropped until Stacky and Redders told him. Oh, Imagine wow. that happening these days. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's extraordinary. Oh, mate. Even a phone call is for that. Like, it would, would be bad. Like, at least do it in person. But to just find out from your teammates. But oh. Bill being proud said, oh, yeah, I've heard it. But he hadn't. Oh. So he actually got told in a casual conversation um, between two of his two Victoria mates uh, interesting impact. Um, you know, Ian Chappell got the captaincy after that and said that the bastards aren't going to get me. And yep. he obviously um, resigned from the captaincy and still played and gave it to his brother Greg. 1972 Ashes series, you know, Bill never played again. Actually, Redders didn't go on that tour and Graham McKenzie. But absolutely stunning read. Every young Australian cricketer, Victoria, actually every young, this should be taught at schools. And it was nine ninety five back in nineteen seventy six. If you can get oh. this under under nine thousand dollars, nine hundred ninety five dollars. Sorry, um, it's an absolute bargain. Six balls out of six there for Redders. Oh, great work! <laughs> right, all right, that's it, Pete, for the bowlology report. Um, just before we go, I just want to thank. We had one listener from Vanuatu in the last episode. Now, I know the um, the former coach, he might be the CEO now there, is Shane Dietz, who I played with in South Australia. Um, to talk about Dietz, he's a player. I think he broke Shippy's record as the slowest 100 at the MCG. So um, to all the Benuatu cricketers, he's a great man, Shane Dietz. Do not bat like him, particularly how you play a lot of T20 cricket. Because if Dietz played T20 cricket, he'd be not out three at the end of the innings. So, um, Dita, if it was you, send us a message. Um, and, and Pete, well done on debut. I thought your debut against Thanks. South Africa, a neat little 54, uh, was a fine effort against a great attack. But I, I reckon this debut might be right up there. How have you found yeah. it? Thanks, mate. Well, similar to the test debut, you know, a little bit scratchy first up. Uh, you know, got to feel, get a feel for it. But, uh, no, um Definitely enjoyed it, mate. And, uh, you know, I'd love to come back if, you, if you'll have me ever again. No, we'll be doing it again. And um, you, you were brilliant. Thanks to Bucky Rogers as well. I think we'll catch up with Bucky again. I still uh, had a lot more to say there. And, um, well, everyone around the world. But for mainly us Victorians, wear a mask and stay safe. Thanks, Pete. Yep. Cheers, Glenn. Where'd it go? Right in the lumberyard. It's okay. We'll work on it. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.